you take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 9 this morning, as we look a little bit more into the life of the one that we've just been singing about, declaring that he reigns, uh, singing in a way that God has put together so that the, the, the songs that we were singing, they go way past the, uh, the ceiling of this room and they enter into the glory of God. Um, where the angels are gathered together singing as well. What a blessing to be a part of that great choir this morning. And uh, praise God for our praise team as they've they've been leading us. Uh, But this morning we're going to look at Mark uh, chapter 9 as we continue to go through this gospel. Remember that Mark, as he began the, the gospel, said that he's writing this so that we could know who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And uh, we're going to see something about him this morning uh, that, again, as, as we see every week, is very, very important um, as we recognize his reign in our lives, his, his rule in our lives. And so we're going to start this morning from verse 33. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. They came to Capernaum. This is back on the, on the Sea of Galilee. They had gone north, remember, where Jesus and Moses and Elijah were transfigured. Those, those great men of, of the Old Testament came back to earth for that moment uh, with Jesus in that transfiguration. So they came back down now to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. That's all we're going to look at this morning. I'm giving you a little break from last week. Some of you thought we covered a lot of territory, and we did. There's a lot of territory in these few verses this morning. Arguing on the way. Reminds me of a family road trip. We've all been on those, hopefully, at some point or another. There's some arguing going on. But I love in this case, as, again, Mark exposes the apostles as the real men that they are. They're walking along the road, and those that weren't in earshot of Jesus were arguing about something. Who is the greatest? Now, I don't think they're arguing about who's the goat in basketball or football or soccer or whatever. They were talking about who's the greatest among us. Which one of us is the greatest? Now, could have been that Peter, James, and John, who he had taken up specifically, only those three of the 12, up to the Mount of Transfiguration, could have been those three were walking close with him as they were walking, and the other nine were back here having this argument because they're getting a little bit tired 
of these guys getting special treatment. Maybe. Could have been. But whatever the case, they're concerned about which of them is the greatest. And what they're talking about, what they're thinking about is, as Jesus is just about ready to bring his kingdom, his earthly kingdom, into power, they want to make sure that they have good good positions in that. Because you see, the Jewish people, those who believe the, the Old Testament, who believe the word of God, those who are faithful to God, they believe that, that God was going to send his Messiah to come and establish his kingdom on this earth in fulfillment of the promises that he made to King David. That someone in his line, in David's line, was going to reign on his throne forever. And so they were waiting on the Messiah to come back, and these guys thought that Jesus was the Messiah, so they naturally assumed that he was going to establish his kingdom, and he was going to need right-hand men. Isaiah 32.1 said that the king will rule with righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. They're thinking, we're going to be among those rulers. And so I wonder who's going to be what and where. And, and I was going to think later on in this, in this same gospel, they're going to have the same argument again. And Jesus is going to address it differently, or, or a little bit differently, a little bit more uh, definitively. But here, he says to these guys, he doesn't, first of all, remember this. He doesn't say it's a bad argument. He doesn't say it's a wrong argument. He doesn't chastise them for being concerned about being great in his kingdom. In fact, he even encourages it. He wants his apostles, and I think he wants us, to want to be great in God's kingdom. Not just the earthly kingdom that he's going to reign here on the earth for a thousand years, but his eternal kingdom, which is now, as a part of his family, but will, but, but will be forever in his presence, in his glory. Where he, is, where he said very clearly, very plainly, that he is going to give us rewards for eternity. And he wants us to want those rewards. He wants us to want to be great in his kingdom. He didn't tell these guys, hey, get your, get your minds off that. He didn't, he didn't say, you guys shouldn't want to be close to me for all eternity. You shouldn't want to be my right-hand man for all eternity. No, that's a great thing to want to be. That's a great place to want to be. He's a great God to want to be close to. There's nothing wrong with the desire to be great, but he knew their minds, he knew their hearts, and he knew that what they were thinking of as greatness isn't what he thinks of as greatness. They were looking at it from a very worldly perspective, and he wanted them to see what true greatness in his kingdom was. And he was living it out before their very eyes. They, they should have been, again, picking this up, and they will. When, he, when he's crucified and then rises again and meets with them and gives them his Holy Spirit, they're going to start getting all this. They're going to start seeing all these things. But up until this point, they're still confused. They're still trying to be great like the world would consider greatness. Instead, he changes it, and he defines it for them, and he lets us know what true greatness is. And so this is our opportunity 
as their lives were examined by him in this moment. Now our lives can also be examined in this moment as we look at these words. Look what he says. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Ugh. Ugh. Servant of all. And it's real, ugh when you look at the extent to which Jesus took this. Because we've got this wooden cross up here to remind us of what this really looks like. Of of what the ultimate servant does. Jesus is the ultimate servant. And what he did to show them what he was talking about, to show us what he was talking about, And again, he didn't only do this to be an example for us. He did it because it needed to be done in in God's justice system. You know, God is just. He is always right in his judgments. And so sin, because God is holy and sinless, sin against him must be judged. It has to be adjudicated. And so Jesus, the perfect man, God, in one, was able to live this life perfectly. He was able to go through every bit of it without sinning. And that is mind-blowing. When we just think about one day of our lives, and what a victory that would be if we would somehow be able to get to the end of the day and, and think, but we would probably think of something. It just doesn't happen. It is an amazing thing that he went through every day without sinning. And remember, he had also all the power in the universe at his disposal, at his disposal all the time. And so you think about that combination and, and also the fact that the people that he made, that he created, weren't honoring him for the most part. And he could have done something about that too. And he didn't. He he waited. And he waited and he waited until finally he went to that cross. And remember, he just finished telling them as they were leaving the Mount of Transfiguration, as they were were leaving that time when he he cast that, that demon out of the boy, as they were leaving, he said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed and and he's going to suffer and he's going to die and he's going to rise again. So he's he's telling them it's coming and they they still don't get it. They're still more concerned about who's going to be, you know, at his right hand and 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 who's going to have the most power and who's going to have the best reputation, all those kind of things. But it all points to this cross. And he says you can be great. But you got to be last. You can't think of yourself first. You make yourself last and you serve everybody else. What would that look like? What would, it, what would a local church like this look like? What would a family like yours look like 
if everybody in it wanted to be great in the kingdom of God and took this advice seriously, it's okay. How am I going to do this? How am I going to serve everybody else? And we again look to Jesus for the ultimate way that it was done. He died to himself and took up his cross and died there for us. Doing something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. If he didn't do that, then each of us would be required to take the punishment that we deserve for our sins. God's word says, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve what he got. The good thief on the cross, remember there were two. The good thief on the cross, and remember he didn't start out good. He started out criticizing and and ridiculing Jesus too. And then he got to thinking as he watched Jesus suffer and he realized the stuff that he'd heard about Jesus was probably true. And Jesus didn't deserve to be there. He was a thief. He deserved to be there. He recognized that. We deserve to be there. Of course, the thief told the other guy, you know, you sh- we should stop this. Stop. He didn't, deserve, he didn't deserve this. He hasn't done anything. We deserve to be here. And then he made that great statement, that great request. You remember what he said? Jesus? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You remember what Jesus told him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today. He didn't deserve it. He deserved what he was getting. He deserves dying. He he deserved to to get the rest of the punishment that he deserved. Because he deserved more than dying on that cross. He also deserved to be separated from God for all eternity. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to send you there. I'm going to bring you with me to glory. Which is the promise he makes to every single person who trusts him and what he did on that cross for the forgiveness of our sins for the gift of eternal life for us. That's why we can sing, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will never die, never perish, but live forever. That's the truth that Jesus came and said and did. And so we have the opportunity, believing that, not only to receive the blessing of the forgiveness of our sins and to receive the promise of eternal life, we also have the promise that if we will live our lives for him in his way, and here he shows us what his way is like, it's a very, you know, very brief summary, serving everybody else instead of ourselves, instead of thinking of us, we think of them then he will give us the rewards that he has planned and prepared for each one of us for all eternity. And what a day that will be. And then he 
gave a, a little bit more punch to his statement. Like us, there were some children in the crowd. And so he asked one of those children to come up. What a great moment for that child, huh? Jesus has our son, our daughter, standing up here. And he says this, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. As Jesus, the the Son of God, representing the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says to all of us to humble ourselves and welcome children. Adults don't like to welcome children. They make messes. They make noise. They're hard to control. And Jesus said, bring them on. Bring them on. Humble yourself to welcome them. Look at them as gifts, the gifts that they are. And they are. They don't always act like it. They rarely deserve it. But they're his gifts to us. And as he's explaining to the apostles, these, and remember, these are special men that he's explaining this to. These are the men that he's promising in the, in the latter part of the Gospel of John as we go through that section just before his crucifixion. He's, he's promising that the Holy Spirit is going to give these guys that he's training right now, he's going to give them remembrance of all these things that he's taught them so they can write it down so all of us can have it. Mark was one of their companions. Mark was with them a lot. While Jesus was, was teaching and working, but also when the apostles were doing their worldwide work, he was with them. And he wrote these things down for us from their recollection, from the, from the recollection that the Holy Spirit gave them, especially Peter. He writes these things down because this is what he wants his kingdom, his body, his church, his family to look like. He wants us to be humble enough that we would be the kind of people who love children who value children, who take care of children, who teach children, and again, who welcome them in his name. This this isn't just being nice to kids. This is welcoming them in his name because his name is important. You remember his name? Jesus, Yeshua. You're supposed to name him Jesus, Mary. You're supposed to name him Jesus, Joseph, because he will save his people from their sins. Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, the salvation of the Lord. We welcome the children, all the children that, that, that we can bring, that we can find, that we can have influence on. We welcome them 
in the name of Jesus. Because they need him. They're, they're sinners too. And we welcome them, we welcome God. God's plan of salvation. Because we were born into the the sinful world, in these sinful lives, with a sinful nature. And there's only one remedy for it. And it's not by being good little boys and girls. It's by being forgiven by Jesus. That's why we welcome them in his name. That's why we take the time to teach them in his name, who he is, what he came to do. And so all these things that we learn, all these things that that Mark teaches us by by exposing to us and revealing to us the, the, the things that Jesus did in this life so that we can know who Jesus, the Son of God, is, we learn these things so that we can share them with others. Because God has a plan for people and it starts with children but the only people that are going to reach out to children are the people who recognize that to be great in God's kingdom means to serve everybody including the children and so we examine and we we ask ourselves these questions now Where, where do I fit into this is this me Can you remember, some of you grew up in church when you, were, when you were a child. Can you remember the people who took this seriously? Who welcomed a little child in the name of Jesus? Do you remember what those folks looked like? I, I, I have the, the benefit of having grown up in a, in a church full of people that took this seriously. There were a few, however, that didn't read this part. They were more concerned about the cleanliness of the whatever, whatever area we were in and the order of things. But by and large, in my experience, and, and if, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably grew up around somebody who was like this. Some adult that wasn't too big, that wasn't too important, that wasn't too busy, to show you some care, to show you some attention, to show you some love. I know some of you have the, have the experience of, of not having had parents to teach you about Jesus, but some adult in your life, in your neighborhood, or, or in your school, or, or within your family, some other adult took this word seriously and shared with you the message of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the name of Jesus. And, and you're here today because of that. Who's going to be here tomorrow because of that? We, ha- we have an opportunity every day to be these people. To be what Jesus was, was driving home with his apostles, our leaders. They're the ultimate leaders of our church because they wrote the manual for us. We have an opportunity every day, every Sunday, but, but, but every day to be these kind of people who welcome little ones and to serve all, not just children, but to serve all. Because 
God values everybody. And he gives us this great message. He gives us this great truth. Not just for ourselves, although we benefit from it by putting our personal trust in Jesus, by believing in him. We benefit from it. Our sins are forgiven. We have eternal life to look forward to. We have a life now that has meaning and has purpose and has joy in it. Joy that's, that is described in the Bible as indescribable, inexpressible. We have all of these benefits and all these blessings, but it's not just for us. It's also for others. And so we ask ourselves, is this me? Do I serve others? Do I welcome children? Am I following the great example of our Lord Jesus in serving everybody, regardless of whether they have anything to offer me whether, whether there's any chance that, that they're going to s- somehow enhance my life, do I serve them anyway? Just because God made them and he loves them as he loves me and has given me the opportunity to serve them today in, in some capacity. What a what an amazing thing it would be to see a group of people like this do this, have this attitude. Have this attitude, as Paul put it in Philippians chapter 2, have this attitude that was also in Christ Jesus. Not being most concerned with our, our own interests but being concerned with the interests of others. What a picture that would be. What an, what an amazing group of people that would be like, would be to be around. And that's what we have the opportunity to be. This is what we have the opportunity to do. And so when should we start? A lot of people, well, so let's start Monday. I say we could start Sunday. Start today. Being the kind of person who recognizes what Jesus has done for you as the servant of all. And then be that servant for others. Not being able to provide for anybody else what he provides. But being able to point the way through the service that we give to the ultimate service. Jesus the Son of God. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the ultimate servant, servant, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for Mark and his faithfulness to write these things down according to Peter and other of the apostles' memories and even some of his own and giving it to us so that we can understand you, so that we can understand what Jesus came to do and who he is. Father, since you've done so much for us in him, we ask that you'd help us 
to humble ourselves before you and live this life of service so that others, including the children, might find out what the real servant did for us and what a blessing it is to be forgiven by him and to be filled by him to be empowered by him not to do great and showy things but to be able to serve Father we thank you for those who have served us and who have led us to a personal faith in Jesus Christ and we pray that you would use us to serve others within our families, within our church, within our school, within our community. That they would see Jesus and hear about Jesus through the service that we bring. And Father, we pray this morning for our children. We pray as, as we, we think they're getting it, as we hear the responses they have to the questions that we ask, as we, as we teach them your word, Father, we thank you that they're getting getting it more and more. But Father, we pray that you would soften their hearts and that you would help them see from us that it's more than learning verses. It's more than saying prayers. But it's putting our trust in Jesus. It's humbling ourselves before you, God. And we pray that they would see that and that they would humble themselves following our example as we follow yours that you would be glorified in our service father and that you would make us great in your kingdom not great so that we can have headlines not great so that we can have applause but great so that we can honor you with everything that you have planned to give us for all eternity and we pray it in jesus name amen